Hi, I'm Kim Rickards, professional superglue and co-creator of Manifest. Manifest is a global platform with a vision to empower professionals of color to make connections and build intentional community to manifest careers, dreams, and goals. In this podcast, we will nurture, inspire, connect, and elevate our listeners through relevant stories and conversations. Now, let's Manifest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Manifest. Today, I'm looking forward to being joined by Casey Woods. Casey is a mother, writer, mentor, communication specialist, and a mental health advocate. Casey has a multitude of PR experience under her belt and over 15 years of experience in entertainment, lifestyle, and corporate public relations, as well as being on TV segments, including The Today Show, Good Day New York, Access Hollywood, Home and Family, The Wendy Williams Show, just a bunch of different things that Casey's done before. And I'm so happy that she has decided to join me today and we'll demystify mental health myths and what led her to create my manic memoirs. So let's welcome Casey. Casey, welcome to Les Manifest. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm well, how are you? I'm doing very well. Awesome. I'm like, you've done so many things that as I was reading through your bio, I was like, girl, you've I been know. busy. Sometimes I don't tell people everything because it sounds like I'm making it up. It's just so much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Well, these are things that we should be celebrating. So it's like, whether or not it's a lot, this is what happens when you are on your grind, right? Like you're you're not just sitting here waiting for things to happen. You are making things happen. I try. <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about mental health. And according to the National Alliance, they state that mental health conditions do not discriminate based on race, color, creed, or identity, and anyone can experience challenges of mental illness regardless of their backgrounds. And recently I read an article on the Huffington Post, and they were stating that there are certain myths that people still believe around mental health. And I wanted to share five of those seven that were on this article. Um, I'm going to include the full article in the show notes, but the first myth, and you can just say yay or nay, but the first myth that they stated was that mental health is contagious. Oh, no. (laughs) Nay. (laughs) Nay to that. The second myth is that it's uncommon. Nay. What about the third? Third myth is mental illness is all in your head. No, negative is very physical sometimes as well, and is something that is real, not something that people just imagine. Mm. And the fourth myth says you can't recover from mental health issues. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one I'll touch on is you can't help someone suffering from a mental health disorder. Oh, no, negative. Negative. No. So it sounds like all of these were negative. So Casey, I want you to share with the audience what led you to create my manic memoirs. Was it because of myths like these or similar? Um, I started my manic memoirs for a very specific reason. Um, When I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, I was really taken aback from it. I had been misdiagnosed for 12 years leading up to that. Um, I had kept going to doctors and going to different specialists and telling them that something was wrong. And everyone kept saying it was ADD and no one was really taking the time to really like figure out what was really happening with me. So um, finally, I um, 
got a psychiatrist who took the time to really delve into everything that was happening with me, my history, um, everything that was really kind of the components that was adding to the stressors that I was having at the time. And she diagnosed me with um, bipolar disorder and ADD even though other people had said that I had ADD solely. And that's why the medications weren't working because I was bipolar as well. And the bipolar disorder had to be mitigated before the ADD medicines were able to work. They had to work in tandem. So um, when I got home that day, I was just really overwhelmed. And I just went on the computer and I started Googling literally the word successful black woman bipolar, because I just wanted to see somebody that looked like me, that talked like me, that dressed like me, that was a reflection of myself, that was bi- that was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but had found success and that was living her life fruitfully and was doing well. And it was so limited in terms, I honestly, I didn't find anything. Maybe my Google search terms were too specific, but um, <laughs> I just didn't find what I was looking for. So when I got to the place where I felt that I was stable, um, I wanted to be that for someone else who was looking to find somebody that was a reflection of themselves and was a positive reflection of what it means to have a mental health diagnosis. And that's why I came up with my many memoirs because I wanted to invite people into my life through the good times, the bad, the struggles, the successes, everything, and allow them to be a part of it and see that your life still goes on you still could be amazing and dope and everything even though you have a mental health diagnosis right and i'm glad that you did this because again you just shut down myth number five that you can't help someone because you truly are helping not just someone but many people by sharing your story and being very transparent and how this journey has been because a lot of people are not the fact that google which is supposed to be what the world's largest dictionary and encyclopedia and everything didn't even have that. Yeah, that's not a good look. I I don't feel very confident in knowing that there are no Black people, you know, out of all the Black people in the world. It's like, really? None of them popped up in a Google search? Exactly. And it's like, regardless of if your search was too direct or not, they should have had somebody Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I just, I knew that even if, it, even if I was just using the wrong search terms, even if I was just overlooking something, it wasn't enough. Whatever was out there just was not enough. And it just wasn't tackling it in the right way. There may have been Black successful women who was represented that um, online, but they weren't talking about the issue in the way that I needed to hear at that time. So right. that's why I wanted to be, um, and I always say I'm not a, a mental health health expert. I am a advocate because I'm utilizing myself um, and my story and what I go through to raise awareness about the issues as well as to provide, you know, resources and information and educational things and things of that nature. Right. Which is, again, a really great thing. And, you know, shout out to you for doing this because May is dedicated to mental health awareness. But for people that, one, were not even aware that the month was dedicated to that, having people like you share stories during this month also helps them understand that there are other people that are available to you know, discuss these things outside of the month. So you don't need to just wait for the month of May to come. They can actually pick up your memoirs and actually read through and, you know, have someone in the journey with them. Exactly. 
So because you have done so many different things and you've worn so many hats, I want to ask you, what are some of the challenges you faced? Because, you know, I started this um, episode stating that you're a mother, that you're an entrepreneur, you know, like all these different things. And I'm sure it hasn't always been easy. No, it hasn't been. I think one of the biggest challenges I had was the um, being misdiagnosed for so long. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 12 years is a long time. Yeah, going from college up until, you know, really maybe, I don't, I can't remember the exact year, but it was a very long time. And I'm really feeling overwhelmed um, with that and not feeling like I would ever be quote unquote fixed. And that feeling of hopelessness was very um, strong at the time. So that was um, uh, something that I had to go through. Um, Additionally, um, medication compliance has always Mm. been an issue with mine. And it's such an oxymoron to me in a way because it's like, you know, you're a mental health advocate. You're someone who's advocating for mental health and doing what you need to do to be well and to be well mentally and physically and all this stuff like that. But you just can't stay on your meds the way you're supposed to. And I mean, there's times when I just would stop taking them and then um, I I would basically have like a relapse and have a mental break per se and would basically fall apart. That's how I always describe it. And, you know, just trying to remain um, that level of Casey that I want to be and that I strive to be. Um, Mm -hmm. My medication is what helps me get there because it it helps level out my, um, you know, my mental state and my emotions and things of that nature. So not taking my medication is kind of detrimental to me. I know everyone's different, but for me, it's very necessary. So medication compliance is, um, you know, a big concern of mine, but Mm -hmm. I've been able to um, work with my psychiatrist to come up with a plan that works for me, which is instead of taking medications every day, like I was doing and not doing well, I only take my medication once a week on Sunday. So that works out a lot better for me. And, you know, it works for what what, it, what, what I can do. You know, you have right. to be realistic about yourself and what you're good at. Sometimes I get so busy working, I forget to take my meds that day. So I just have to be cognizant of what works for me and not be ashamed of it or think it's a, um, you know, that it is a, it shows some kind of weakness on myself, but it's just, it's just part of my journey. And then the lastly, the, um, one of the things that was a um, struggle for me was the ADD, um, trying to get that under control, um, being able to learn different tactics and techniques that will help me to be um, the version of myself that I always know knew that I could be and that I've always strived to be, which mm-hmm. means for me specifically, I write everything down. I have, I live by my notebooks. Everybody who knows me, they always know that Casey writes her to-do list like religiously. I even post them <laughs> online and I write everything down so I don't forget it. I have to stay very organized because it's easy for me to just like you know, start being unfocused and things like that and just have to really stay on myself and know my limits and push myself to be, you know, where I want to be and what I need to do. And what about pushing your limits? So how, how is, how is that? Because some people would say, is it, well, they would ask if that's healthy for you to push yourself instead of kind of scaling back, or do you find that that's not a, a challenge for you? Well, for me, it's it's funny you say that because I'm writing a book called Push Through When Good Enough is No Longer Good Enough. And the entire um, point of that book and of that title specifically is that there are times when you're just like, 
I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to do anything anymore. I'm like, I'm at my, my end with this. And if you could just hold on just a little while longer, if you can just push yourself through that self doubt and that, that feeling of failure and all these other kind of emotions that you're going through, if you can just push yourself past that limit to the other side, that's where you're and to be not to be overly religious. That's where your blessings are. That's where you deserve to be in life but sometimes you just have to push yourself past the doubt past the fear past all these things that are kind of like your roadblocks when people Mm -hmm. say past your limit sometimes people think that means like you're at your limit you can't go any further but you set those limits yourself sometimes you know what i mean you just have to go beyond that because sometimes your limit may be at a seven but you could honestly go to a 10 you just haven't pushed yourself that hard Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like going beyond the comfort zone, essentially. The comfort zone. We have to be yeah. comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That is a big one. And and let's talk about the fact that outside of you doing all these entrepreneurial things and being a mom, you are also dating, right? Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> so, so how has this mental illness affected confidence in dating? Because I would almost think, too, that you are, because you've been very transparent so far, so I would almost think that you go into um, certain situations very honestly, right? So you're being transparent and you're like, this is what it is. But how is it when you do into those rooms? Um, it's twofold. On one end, I know... If you Google me, all the articles I've written, all the profiles come up, you know, one of the titles, the first thing that comes up when you put Casey Woods is Young Fly and Bipolar, which was an article (laughs) that I wrote before. So it's no running from it. It kind of is what it is. So I know at some point, if I don't tell them, they'll find out on their own. And oftentimes, it's it's honestly not a big deal because I'm so amazing that, you know, I feel like it overshadows that. But then there's times when people have their preconceived notions, especially with the term bipolar. People use it as a slur like oh she's just so bipolar and things like that so it has like a really negative connotation that comes along with it so there's a level right. of education that has to be kind of put to it and they have to like explain to people you know the aspects of what it means to be bipolar how it affects me how everyone is different and just kind of you know lead them to it with information and things like that but you know I've had times I've literally had I can count at least twice where I brought I brought it up and told a person like I just want to let you know but I don't want people to ever feel as if like I'm duping them or something I want to give you all the facts up front so if you want to make a decision you have that right to do so and you know I let a guy know and he told me that he couldn't move forward with um dating with dating me because um how did he know that I would never at the time it was in relation to my suicide attempt um how did he he doesn't have the emotional capacity to deal with somebody who could do something like that because what if I do it again and he's just not ready for that kind of responsibility so we we stopped dating and it's happened at least twice so there's always that um that opportunity for people to reject you but you know you just have to really kind of use it as a learning experience and educate people and let them know the realities of your situation. And I would ask you, how did you feel when he brought up that specific incident? Because did you feel that you respected him for saying that? Or or did you almost feel like, why did I tell him that? I felt like it was an excuse. 
Mm. Um, I felt that it was used to kind of um, place the blame on me. It, it's like, you know, because I don't know what you're going to do because you already did this and you, you, you. So it kind of put it on me as if it wasn't his fault. Um, mm. So I felt that it was used in that way. Um, I was One time I was dating a guy and um, I, again, stopped taking my meds and I started kind of slipping a little bit. And mm. I think he could see it. Like, you know, I was a little bit more snippy in terms of how I was like speaking to him and like things just weren't like, you know, going like a hundred miles an hour towards like the great sunset. It was kind of a little rocky. So then I admitted to him, like, you know, I've been having a little bit of an issue. Um, I haven't taken my meds in a few, at the time it was a few weeks and I think it's affecting me and I just want to apologize. And he broke up with me and he said, what? Yeah. He said, because he felt like I, um, I told him because he knew I was bipolar, but he felt that I miss I miss like I misguided him. I allowed him to think that I had it under control, but I really didn't. And he felt that was um, like like an insult to him to not tell him and not to not have it under control. And basically saying like you know you don't have it under control in the way that you presented yourself to. And I honestly think that was again was another excuse. Like people should be yeah. able to be there to hold you down when things aren't amazing because things aren't always going to be amazing whether you have a mental illness or not. So oh, that's I just felt like it was a little bit too heavy for him you know you stop being the fun carefree version of yourself and you get a little bit real and sometimes people can't um handle that so it really at that time it made me feel like I'm never going to um open up to somebody like that again and um I held on to that for a really long time but that was a while ago and I've grown since then I understand that it wasn't me it was more reflection of him and I've Mm -hmm. operated under that assumption since yeah, that's, I mean, someone putting, yeah, that's a tough conversation to have with someone mm-hmm. because it's like, if I'm sharing something with you, which makes me vulnerable, Very. you would think that the person would be more supportive as opposed to questioning why you didn't share certain things with them sooner when I'm sure that it's a hard thing to decide not to take medicine and knowing that it is something that makes you feel good. You know, it's an internal battle. I would, I would assume it's an internal battle and you don't always want to just run out and tell someone right away, like, Hey, this is what I'm deciding to do just in case you do change your mind. And then they hold that against you. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah. It almost sounds like you, you were in a no win situation yeah it was basically like he was saying i lied to him about having it together and i'm like you know mental health is a up and down roller coaster like i'm never going to always have it together and if you can't hold me down through this very and to be completely honest it was very minor um like (laughs) like, trust me i've wowed out a lot more than that before (laughs) so i'm like okay if you think this is a whole situation then maybe this ain't the best thing for you because it could get a lot worse so, <laughs> <laughs> but the the reality of it is that Casey, I don't think any of us always have it all the way together, exactly. whether or not we're diagnosed, right? So it's not something that you know. A conversation like that is never going to be something that's easy. But I will say that when you do have a mental illness, I'm sure you take it to heart even more so than someone that may not have been diagnosed, because it does affect the way that possibly it does affect, I should say, the way that your confidence reacts to it, right? So it's like, I choose to be open and transparent and then I'm I'm almost being um, punished because of that. And, 
you know, obviously I'm thinking you want to be in a loving and and um, secure and safe space in, in a relationship, but then it's hard when people are coming back at you with this whole, you should have said this, you should have said that, or you should have done this, you know, and dating is never easy anyway. So, so I can't even imagine what those moments may have felt like, but um, I do want to know when it comes to how transparent you have been and with having conversations that are difficult like that, how has that, or has it altered the way that you share going forward? Um, no, I still share in the same way and in, in the same capacity that I've always had. Um, I always, um, I go into, I've typically gone into starting with the, um, suicide attempt and letting them know that that has happened. And then they always ask why. And then I follow up with, well, I take medication for bipolar disorder and I stopped taking my meds for several months and I basically crashed and fell into a depression. And that was my, you know, permanent answer to a temporary problem. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of like the way in which it typically goes like the script that is followed but you know right. every opportunity is different and girl i'm on tinder so you be meeting mad people i'm like all the random people on, on tinder but you know again at least you have put yourself out there you're not going to just wallow up in a corner and be like what was me you're actually actively looking and you are doing what you need to do in order to have that happy life, right? Or as happy as possible. So, And I think a lot of it is, um, a big part of it is Mm -hmm. self-esteem. Like when you think that you are the most amazing thing in the market, you know what I mean? When you just think that your dopeness is just overshadows any of your flaws, can't nobody really tell you anything. Like I can tell you what's going on with me because I know what I bring to the table. And I know that that one component of who I am is just a, a micro version of everything else that is that makes up who Casey is. So admitting that isn't that big of a deal to me because I know all the other aspects of who I am pretty much kind of like overshadows that. And Casey, you do have a mantra that you repeat to yourself. You want to share that? Yeah, I'm too awesome to be average. (laughs) I love it. I love it it because I feel like this is something that everyone should say, and this is how people should feel about themselves regardless, right? And and I think self-esteem is a huge part of it where a lot of men and women are suffering. And you'll see that some people are suffering and they, they project how they feel onto others to make themselves feel better, you know? And I feel like that's something that's a disease in this society where people are not happy with themselves. And instead of them working on getting to a place of happy and feeling self-worth and loving themselves, they rather push that nastiness internally, externally out on other people. And it's not fair, but it's also something that reminds me again, that like you said, I'm too awesome. Like, forget you. I don't know what you're doing, but that ain't got nothing to do with me. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I struggled through the same things that a lot of people struggle through, you know, um, the depression, um, the feelings of inadequacy, sometimes the, um, you know, 
know, the, the what is the syndrome when you feel like the imposter syndrome? Like I, I go mm-hmm. through that a lot, but I'm just always my biggest um, cheerleader because I feel like if I don't do it, who will? And a lot of times I just tell myself, you know, you may not believe it right now, but just know that there's a version of you that totally believe that you are the dopest thing walking around right now. So you may yes. not believe it right now, but just trust that that version of you knew what she was talking about and just blindly follow that rule. So I tell myself that when I'm not feeling good and I'm feeling down, that at some point in my life, I believe this to be true. So I'm just going to go with it for now and just fake it till you make it till you start to feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Fake it till you make it. And I'm trusting that you have manifested a lot of a lot of the the um the things that you have wanted based on reminding yourself of that mantra or saying it to yourself often. Mm-hmm, all the time. And it's important that I tell people, I've had these conversations with people that when you're at your lowest, if there's something that you can hold on to, even if it doesn't make sense at that moment, if it's just something that you can hold on to, to get you through that time, that's sometimes for a lot of people, that's all you need. You know, mm-hmm. like when I went through my situation, my suicide attempt, I didn't have anything to hold on to. I felt completely bare and vulnerable and pretty much naked with nothing to kind of like support me. But if you sometimes a mantra is all somebody needs just to hope, just to cling on to something just to get through the, you know, the portion of their lives that they're in at that moment. So things like that, you mean, I have so many sayings and so many <laughs> mantras and so many, you know, Casey's the bomb type um, things I tell myself is not just because I'm trying to like convince anybody around me, but half the time I'm just trying to convince myself. Right. Affirming yourself, is, which is where it starts. Mm-hmm. It starts within within you and how you view yourself. So Casey, as we start wrapping up, what is your advice for listeners that may be suffering in silence right now? Because you know that that's many people, right? That might be the person that's next door to us. They may be the person that we see on the street. But what is your advice for those people? I think one of the, um, for me, and like I always say, that's why it's called my manic memoirs, because I can only really use like what I've done and what I've gone through to be able to inspire and um, help other people. So for me, the biggest thing that um, when I was suffering that changed my life was finding a psychiatrist who understood me and who got me and who was able to properly diagnose me so that I could know I could have a starting point about where my healing had to come from. Because for so long, it was being focused on so many other things that just weren't, you know, relevant. So being able to be properly diagnosed was really a a starting point and was able to help me to, you know, focus on fixing the issues that I was going through at the time. So I would say um, bringing in a professional voice that you trust, who you feel is not just looking at you as like another patient or a number, but as a person and really taking the time to understand who you are and what's going on with you, to me is the first step on it. Um, Secondly, is having like a mentor, even if you don't even if you don't actually know the person, I call people my mental mentors where like I just look up to them and they may not even know me, but just being able to follow them and like their advice that they give like on their social media and things like that is enough to kind of like help me a lot. Like Bozema St. John was a big one for me. Like I followed her, but like 2015, I remember writing in my, um, I just found it the other day in my journal, what would Bozema do? I wrote this whole long thing about how I felt like trash 
And I said, what will Bozema do? And I kept that in my journal. And then if, like a year later, she and I ended up connecting and she was just amazing and everything that I thought she would be. But having somebody who was like my mental mentor, who I can look towards to for inspiration and for guidance and for motivation really helped me a lot when I was going through things and I felt really low. If you mm -hmm. need somebody physical or real, finding yourself a mentor who is going through things or who have gone through things, or even if they just understand who can right, be there to provide some type of support for you. Cause a lot of times people don't have any family or friends that get it. You know, mm. people sometimes say they do, but they don't, they're not in your shoes. They don't, they've never experienced it. A lot of times people are in a church and they feel like you're supposed to pray it away and all these mm. other things that people tell you to do. And it's just like, yeah, no, that's not worth it for me. <laughs> so right. finding someone who can, be in your corner who supports you who you can talk to and call on and and be that um that force in your life is really important well that's awesome and i like that you said that you can't just pray it away because i think it's always much deeper than that because if you could just pray it away you would have did that a long time ago you um, know the worst thing that people can say is when you tell them that something is going on with you or that you just don't feel right and girl everybody be depressed girl everybody feel bad you know what i'm saying like they don't they don't give your your situation a voice they take it away mm. from you they're like don't get ain't, ain't nothing wrong with you girl you just don't you know what i'm saying like they just try to like trivialize it not knowing how much they're crushing what you're what you're experiencing and you just sometimes you just need somebody who understands and who will listen to you and say how can i help Right. And how can I help goes, I would think, a long way, especially when it's met with intention yeah. and real sincerity. Yeah, I would agree. I don't it, um I don't say how are you anymore. I don't say like when I talk to my friends at least once a week, once every week or two, I say, Are you happy? That's why that's how I approach them now because everyone's so used to say, Oh, how you doing? And they're like, Oh, I'm fine. How are you? Like it's just a verbatim way of greeting each other and getting it out the way. But I say, how are you feeling? How's your energy levels? How are you mm. happy? Are you good? Like asking real open-ended questions that force people to give you real answers. And you're, you really start to have a, a impact on people because they're like, okay, someone wants to listen and they feel more comfortable coming out of their shell and admitting things that are happening with them. Yeah. I like that. I like asking people questions that, are open-ended so that they can't hit you with the blanketed, I'm good, not bad, I'm fine. And, you know, you can look at sometimes and you can see that that's really not what's going on. But then on the flip side, some people don't want to push. So, you know, you do have people that try to be very respectful of giving someone the, t the space and the time to come around to them. Yeah. But then you do have a lot of people that are like, well, if they wanted to tell me, they would. So it could go either way. I totally agree. And you just have to be receptive to whatever it is that people give you and, you know, respect them, respect their boundaries and operate from that reality. Yeah, that's very true. Boundaries, whew, whole of the topic, definitely respect those people because, yeah, <laughs> it's important to respect the boundaries of others. But um, Casey, just thank you so much for giving your story a voice and for sharing the gems and, you know, the truths of what's going on and not making it seem that like it's something like, again, that it can just fly away into some foreign <laughs> space, but that it is something that you, you go through and you're going through and you're becoming a better person because of sharing this story. So 
I'm appreciative of you sharing this with them. The audience today. Yeah, for sure. And the story had so many themes of courage and strength. And I'm really hoping listeners will find peace and they will find, you know, um, the ability to relate to you, you know, and understand that there is someone that they can Google that will pop up and that person will help them get through. Exactly. And that person is Casey Woods. Casey with the K. <laughs> Casey with the K. <laughs> thank you, Casey. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Manifest podcast. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Share this with your family. Share this with your friends. Share this with your colleagues. Just share this with your entire community. And until next time, let's manifest.